0: Hey, it's Bill Simmons from The Ringer, and this is a podcast called The Rewatchables. We have been doing it really since 2017. It started with how much we love the movie Heat. We decided to structure a whole podcast with categories, most rewatchable scene, who won the movie, Apex Mountain, what age the best. But here's the thing, if you want the full archive, you can hear them only on Spotify, for free by the way. So make sure to follow The Rewatchables on Spotify.
2: This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer, availability, and eligibility may vary.
3: Hello and welcome to the Ringer NFL Show. I'm Nora Ziotti, and I am here as always with Steven Ruiz. We are going to continue our power ranking series this week with the AFC West. Fun division. Exciting division. But before we get to that, uh, there has been another bit of gambling suspension related news this week in the NFL. So... Isaiah Rogers and Rashad Berry, uh, both of the Indianapolis Colts, and then Demetrius Taylor, who's a free agent, were all suspended indefinitely through at least the 2023 season for having bet on NFL games last year. Um, and then uh, Nicholas Petitfrère, uh, the Tennessee Titans tackle, was suspended six games for betting on other sports, so not the NFL, but doing so at the workplace. So the NFL put those out on Thursday. The Colts then cut Rogers and Barry. Um, and Chris Ballard put out a statement saying that the integrity of the game is of the utmost importance. This, uh, you know, this is coming on the heels of quite a few of these news items about uh, the league uncovering issues with small to medium to large range violations. Um, I believe, uh, Barry had bet on a teammates rushing prop, which does seem like something you should know not to do. But Steven, as we're seeing more and more of these types of stories, how are you processing the slew of gambling related suspensions that seem to be, uh, a new fact of life in the NFL? I
2: feel like there's been, like, blowback for the NFL, and I'm all for criticizing the league for hypocrisy, but I feel like this one, I kind of side with the league, and I, I I get it. I get why these players are getting suspended and why they're so harsh, because the integrity of the game, I know you can compare it to, like, Deshaun Watson not really getting the, uh, the suspension we wanted, but it's tough to be a sports league when when people think that there's a chance that it's not like the results aren't on the up and up. So i get why why they're being so harsh about it. I also think like we're not giving these players enough credit. Like these yes. rules were very clear and they they came out last year. I know the NFL went back and like kind of spelled them out a little bit more and made them more clear, but i mean these are adult these are adults. And if you're told don't bet on on sports while on, you know, team facilities or don't bet on the NFL, i feel like that's a very easy direction. To follow. And I, I just think like the, I think the number will eventually go down. I think we're going to stop seeing these suspensions. One, I think players are going to get smarter about how they bet. Two, I just think that's just what happens when you start a new rule. Like I'm sure when, whenever they started to outlaw murder, there was a lot of people getting caught <laughs> for murder. You know what I mean? Like people were still murdering. So I don't know. I just think that's, that's part of it.
3: I think there's always been a pretty clear, when was, when was murder first outlawed? I feel like that's always been a pretty clear taboo. I
2: just assumed like back like back in like 500 AD you were, you were able to get away with murder. I don't know.
3: Well, but there was that whole thing where like a Roman citizen could could walk the whole face of the earth free of of fear of molestation because of the wrath of the empire. I don't know if that's necessi- like that's not technically a law, but it's
2: I How might be going back to, like, here, caveman Stephen. days. Did you
3: have that in I the can? Were you, did that just, like, no. come into your no. mind? Or are you waiting with the first time they outlawed murder? It probably took a while to catch on. I, I
2: probably could have picked a better crime. I probably should have been done, like, running a red light. Like, once red lights came into, it was probably hard to follow direction. But, yeah, that I, I don't know. I just think, like, I think the number is going to go down. I don't think it's this ep- epidemic, and I don't think we're going to see... What is it? Was it been like 12 players this offseason that have been suspended? I don't think we're going to see that number reach that double digits next year, for instance.
3: Well, and I I am slightly confused. I would love to learn more about the timelines on which we find out about this stuff because my understanding is that it is incredibly easy for the league because all of the gambling sites. And platforms are their partners are their business partners my understanding is that it is incredibly easy for them to catch people doing this and so in some ways i think because we've had this this trickle of stories and recurring stories with different players it feels like it just keeps happening all this stuff was it, it all happened last season so in theory it all happened before there were a a critical mass of these news stories that hopefully do have an effect of making players more aware of it. I I will just, I I have what I think is an unpopular opinion about this, although I haven't really voiced it. So maybe, maybe it's not. I, if I were the league, I would, I would ban player. I would say like, you know what? If you want to be a professional NFL player, you may not gamble on sports full stop, because it seems like people aren't, aren't getting the memo. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe if we do another year and the rules are more clearly articulated, that solves the problem in and of itself. Right now, my sense is like something is not coming through clearly. And if that is the league's fault for being opaque in, in what the regulations actually are, then I suppose that should fall on them. The argument I don't get at all is that it's hypocritical for them. And like I hate saying this because yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to be on the NFL's side with this. But the idea that it's hypocritical for them to be in business with the gambling platforms and then say that that players can't bet on it is ridiculous to me. There are like eight bajillion professions that touch financial markets or other types of conflicts where if you If you are a lawyer who represents a bunch of companies, you can't just go buy a bunch of their stock on the stock market. Like, agreements like this exist in so many different areas of business and work that if they're making it clear to people, I think the idea that the NFL is making money off of gambling, making it hypocritical for for them to not let the players do it, who, by the way, like, I think revenue sharing, I think the way that that works in the NFL should be different and should reward the players more than it currently does. They still do have revenue sharing. Like the players are still getting a cut of the gambling profits. Again, I think the cut should be bigger, but proportionally they are receiving their share. If it's not clear, then that's the NFL's fault, I think. But if it continues to seem like it's not clear, if I were the league, I would just make it crystal clear by being like, you may not do this. We're gonna we're, we're getting rid of the like, oh, you can bet on other sports, but you can't do it at the office. No, just you're not allowed to. You can't have a FanDuel account. I don't care where you're logging. On. Like, you're just not allowed. Congratulations. You're one of like 2,000 people a year who get to play in the National Football League. It's an incredible accomplishment you are going to be relatively well compensated for it during the time when you're playing. You can't bet on sport. Like I I honestly I'm starting to wonder why they don't just just do that and I don't think it would be hypocritical at all.
2: Yeah, it's so simple. And I kind of I find it kind of odd that like this story is the one that kind of sparked the the blowback and the hypocrisy line because the I feel like this is the most egregious one. The Colts player betting on an over <laughs> on his own teammate. Like, that is... That has you to be based on, that, like, inside dude. information. At least,
3: and it, at least he didn't bet the under.
2: Yeah, that would have been bad. But I want to know... Like, I want to know what game it was. Because if it was one of those games when Jonathan Taylor was, like, iffy to play, like, that's bad. That is... That's bad. Uh, and I don't know. This isn't the one that I, I... Like, the Calvin Ridley suspension, I thought, was very harsh just because... I don't think it was, I don't think the rules were as,
3: it was not know, first, as known.
2: I didn't really know the rules back then, but now, like, the rules are very simple. But I don't know. I, yeah, I can't get on board I mean, with the NFL and also passion the,
3: here. The, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I honestly, I don't have a big problem with the Calvin Ridley suspension. Um, I guess it feels a little easier in that case just because he's such a good player. He, you know, obviously he's, he's going to get another clear shot in Jacksonville this year, it is a little tough where it's like these guys might just be out of the league now. And that might be how it, how it ends. And that's a sad ending. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I, I have to, I, I have to be honest. I have limited, I have limited sympathy, especially if it feels like the rules are made clear. And, and I continue to be a little bit fuzzy on genuinely how clear some of the more minute details about where exactly it's okay to bet on different sports, like how crystal clear that stuff is coming through. My understanding from coaches, from a lot of players, right, is like you walk through the doors for your orientation at the beginning of mini camp or whatever, or when you're a rookie, like they are hitting you over the head with you can't gamble on this. So I, I don't know. My my tiny violin is out a little bit, but my, yeah, I also my, just, my I've been sitting on this for like a month, but I just don't like defending the NFL is not fun. But that's my last,
2: my, my last point. The worst tweets are like the funniest tweets are the players who are like, what's so bad about this? Like Justin Jones. It's like, that's a red flag. Like they're, the NFL is watching you now because you said that.
3: Well, but it is like, I think there's a surface level argument about why is it okay for the league to be airing DraftKings, FanDuel, whatever it is, like airing ads for those places and partnering and all the suites are are named after gambling places. And like, why is it okay for them to have this wholesale embrace of sports betting? and then to not let the players participate in it, I think if you don't apply critical thought to that, it seems like, yeah, that's not fair. If you apply just like an ounce of, they are, they are sharing in the profits from this too. And you can't have it both ways. It just will not work. And this is not a unique agreement. There are, plenty of other walks of life where you have to make agreements like this to be able to function in your job. It's just like all of a sudden, I think that that goes goes out the window. But like you see that all over Twitter, you see like everybody loves to score points by retweeting some some or tweet about this and being like, oh, but then brought, you know, brought to you by. But it's this It doesn't make sense. Just think about it a little. It doesn't make any sense.
2: Yeah, the owners also can't bet either, and like execs can't bet either. So like they're in the same predicament as the players, and and that's been our this week in bootlicking. From the, I mean, the it's right? And, like
3: that's what's first of all. That was funny. What would actually be hypocritical is if somebody catches like Arthur Blank's fan tool count.
2: That would be good. And then you bet on like Calvin him, Ridley's over that's under.
3: That's hypocrisy. No, he's also got the Jonathan Taylor over, but that's not what Jeff Saturday. Jeff Saturday, I just, I'm sorry, miss me with all of this.
2: Jeff Saturday had to delete his FanDuel account when he got hired by Jim Mercer.
3: I mean, not out of the question that that's the case, but if he did it, then it's fine. Yeah. All right, you want to talk about the AFC West? I suppose. Um. Hey, so I put the Chiefs first.
2: Oh, that's a bad take. No, I <laughs> Didn't even think about it. Didn't look at their depth chart. Didn't even think about it. Number 1.
3: <laughs> I started like crafting an argument. I was like, "Oh, upgraded a tackle over the offseason going to be great? and then I was like, "Oh yeah, Patrick Mahomes, Super Bowl champs. It's fine." Is yeah, it I it's going to be fine. Do you want to play this game? Do you think that the Chiefs have a weakness?
2: Uh yeah, I was like trying to convince myself that I could see a scenario in which the offense has a little bit of problems, but even that's relative to like their typical standard. I, I do think like the Juju Smith-Schuster thing could be an issue because he was so I mean, he wasn't like Tyreek Hill to this offense, but he did serve a very important role as like the third down target when teams sold out to stop Kelsey. And now you're banking on MVS, Kadarius Toney, and Sky Moore, one of those guys to step up and fill that role. And like, even if you hit like the ceiling of any of those guys, none of the none of their skill sets really overlap with Juju's and they're not really like, like you don't think of Kadarius Tony as like the reliable possession receiver on third down and Sky Moore certainly wasn't billed as that coming out uh, of college. And MVS has always been just a deep threat. So... The question is where do where do those targets go on third down when in the, when the defense is playing man coverage like who can Mahomes rely on to get open outside of Kelsey and that's a big question mark for me. That said, he's Patrick Mahomes and he'll figure it out. He'll throw it to himself if he has to.
3: Yeah, or and I mean, look, I think if this is the type of thing where the really good defenses have a better shot, but the answer to where those targets go is is Kelsey. Right? Like that's always that's that's gonna be the case sort of no matter what. The ceiling is probably more defined by can Kadarius Tony actually have a, a, a real breakout? Um can the Super Bowl like is that gonna be what it looks like all the time? If that's the case, great. But if not, I do think you're talking about a huge reliance on on Kelsey. Which is fine. Like they've been, they've been fine doing that before. But I, that, that's where you know. Okay, are you going up against a bottom half defense? Who cares? Patrick Holmes, whatever. Line's good. Running games made some real strides last year. It's going to be fine. If we're talking about can you win another Super Bowl, then maybe that's a a different conversation. That said, they had they had juju, but. Still did it last year. So, I I, have no notes. I have no notes.
2: No, I feel like these questions that we're asking were questions we were asking last offseason, and we were even more concerned about it. And it turned out fine. They had an even better year. The offense didn't miss a beat. Patrick Mahomes maybe had the best year of his career, which is insane to think. Uh, And then you look at the defensive side of the ball, and... The progress they made over the second half of last year, and and when they really figured out their secondary, because they had a bunch of young dudes, and I think they finally figured out the rotation, and the defense just took off. And it's always hard to predict like defensive performance year to year, but I have enough faith in spags. Like, even if it's a, let's say it's like a mediocre unit throughout the year, like ranked 20th in DVOA, come playoff time, I have faith in spags doing enough to get Patrick Mahomes in this offense over the line because they make his margin for error so big and I don't even think he needs it. I think he's one of the better defensive coordinators. So I think when you have a roster that might have tiny holes, but then you look at the coaching staff and they have Andy Reid and and Spags and then you throw Patrick Mahomes on top of it, it's just like, I mean, there are no issues. They're going to win 12 games at least. So I don't know. They're winning the division. Let's just pencil them in now
3: defensively, I I think the only, and this still falls in the category of really trying to poke holes where there really aren't any, there's some question of, okay, what if Chris Jones starts to drop off a little bit? Now, again, I don't know what indication I'm getting that that's happening from career high, 15 and a half sacks, 29 knockdowns, played a full healthy season. Just an incredibly impactful player, but at some point, you lose something, and beyond him, I mean, you know, they lose Carlos Dunlap and Frank Clark over the off season. They've replaced those guys um you know, I think Loftus's development is something that they'll be really hoping breaks out um and then they um. Use their first round pick, uh, to add a pass rush uh, a little bit in the in free agency, but you are sort of trying to piece it together. in In less Carl I think really really breaks, but you're trying to piece it together and then hope that that Chris Jones is still Chris Jones. I think it's a decent bet. Um, I do think that that's just the only thing where it's like okay. Say he falls off a cliff, then all of a sudden does that limit what Spags can do just because you don't have that one guy who can really wreak havoc from the interior? Um, and maybe, but these are these are champagne problems.
2: Yeah, and another champagne problem is that I, I think special teams, they weren't that bad, like if you look at like DVOA, but when they lost games, special teams seemed to be a problem. And, yeah. But... I think there's some regression there because a lot of the problems were just fumbling punts and like having Sky Moore try to be a punt returner, even though it's not something he had ever done before. And I think once they figure that out, there's going to be like a, a hidden boost that we don't necessarily recognize just because we usually don't pay a lot of attention to special teams. Unless you're Bill Belichick, no one really pays attention to special teams. But I think that was like a big deal for them last year. And it just speaks to how good this team is where, like, one of your big issues is ah, sometimes we fumble punt returns. Like, this team, there's nothing to be, there's nothing to worry about.
3: Right. And I, I mean, um, Tony can help them there, too. Right. Who did you have second?
2: I went with the Chargers. And for me, I don't want to say it was a no-brainer because I did think about my third team. I, I'm kind of high on my third team, maybe higher than most, but I think the Chargers figured things out down the stretch like the the playoff collapse notwithstanding. I think it's easy to look at that collapse and just have a different memory of how the Chargers season went, but I feel like we should be celebrating that what they were able to overcome like you talk about their injuries, like half of their offense was out for a month stretch and they won 10 games. And I, I feel like the takeaway is still like, oh, Staley and Herbert, bunch of losers can never win games. They made the playoffs with half the roster out. It was, I thought it was an impressive turnaround last year. And I thought there were things that they, that will translate to next year, especially on the defensive side of the ball. From week 10 on, they were number three in passing PA allowed. That is a big deal. And that's kind yeah. of the thing you hired Brandon Staley for. And you finally got that down the stretch last year. Like Staley... The first year and a half, I would be the first to admit it was very disappointing. But that second half of last year, and there were games against the Chiefs, the Dolphins, the 49ers, even the Falcons, who ended up being a top 10 offense. So it wasn't like they were just going through a cupcake, uh, cupcake schedule. So I think there's something really tangible there. And then you have to factor in that when they've played the Chiefs, they, they've played them very well over the last two years. I think they're yeah. the one team that has really given them games every time they've played. So maybe if some other than other than the
3: Bengals. But yeah. Other than the
2: Bengals, of course. Yeah. But like if some of those issues that we were kind of like poking holes at with the Chiefs come to come to pass, like I feel like the Charters do have a chance if they hit their ceiling of competing with them, I still think the chiefs run away with the division, but I think there is a realistic scenario where maybe like the chiefs get a little banged up like the chargers did last year and they're able to steal the, the division, even if they're not a better team come January. But I'm still concerned about the offense. Like I know Kellen Moore has replaced Joe Lombardi and they, they draft Quentin Johnson, but I, I don't like the direction of this team took in the off season. like re-upping on Mike Williams and Keenan Allen just seemed like, it seemed like Tom Telesco, the GM, like grasping onto the dudes that he kind of hit on in the draft, because he's had problems adding talent to this roster outside of the draft. So I, I don't know. I, it seemed like they they latched on to a team that was kind of past its prime, and that's my one concern, especially on the offensive side of the ball, because this is still kind of a slow offense.
3: So uh, I think that's all fair, and I, I, I very much second that in particular because I do I think Quentin Johnson's going to be really good in this offense and, and makes a lot of sense that just was the one thing where it would have felt so satisfying for them to get a real 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 true speedster um, and I know they took the other guy later in the draft um, TCU really fast yes 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 so they've the, they've added something of that presence, but I I do still have a lot of curiosity. Like not not that I think it it won't work, but just questions about how Kellen Moore will approach this offensive skill group and and trying to take advantage take more advantage of, of Justin Herbert's arm. Um, I, I put them second as well, so I'm I'm right there with you. I would I would add just as a. a bullet point in this discussion counting on the chargers to be healthier than they have been is not necessarily um a bulletproof philosophy but one it can is hope
2: not. we've been using in- it since like 2014 with them i feel like the this entire is year team to got
3: together and went and and hung out with a bunch of black cats and walked under a ladder together but we can hope it'll be better Keenan Allen's hamstrings, I think, are made out of, like, years-old rubber bands. Like, you know when you find a rubber band and it's really old yeah, and brittle? Yeah. Like, that's what I imagine is is holding that guy's muscle tissue together. Um, right. But I'm rooting for it to all work. Maybe
2: we should frame the team doctor for sports betting. <laughs> It'll place a over-under-Austin Eckler bet when he's not looking on his phone.
3: That would actually, uh, I guess we can, we can, maybe we should talk about this when we get to Denver. But as we've discussed, the possibility of framing a, a franchise quarterback for a crime. Here's your crime. This is so easy. Are you kidding me? Right. They it, could do it at it's a easier
2: than ever. It's easier than ever.
3: Wow. Makes you think really makes you think. Um, what do you think about the the Kellen Moore takeover of this offense? What's that going to look like?
2: I like Kellen Moore. Uh, I do have one concern because I think there is a little Joe Lombardi in him. Like the Cowboys. <laughs>
3: oh, no. Ran
2: a, like instead of like Joe Lombardi, instead of running his little hitch routes at five yards, Kellen Moore runs them at like 10 yards instead. Like that's the difference. So I, I do think there's a chance that we see some of the same problems because there is a lot of like overlap in their offenses. But I think Kellen Moore is a better game planner. I think he's better at setting up shot plays. And that was the one thing that I think Joe Lombardi was missing with his little recipe. Like it was... I don't think like the offensive <laughs> this philosophy little
3: recipe. <laughs> I'm
2: sorry. That dripping was <laughs>
3: dripping in condescension, Steven.
2: Yeah, that was so condescending. But like that's the difference between him and Sean Payton, who was like the guy he coached under. Was Sean Payton is so good at dialing up those deep shots. Like he does all the the stuff that we call inefficient, like the runs and the short throws. But then you set it up for like a deep 50-yard pass. And we never really got that with Joe Lombardi. I think Kellen Moore comes in and is able to do
3: that. And Sean I Payton just... is like, Sean Payton is like the, fr- like the French laundry cookbook, like super technique. You don't, it seems like it should be simple and it seems like it wouldn't be life-changingly good. But then there's something so particular to it that it actually works. And then I feel like you're calling, I feel like you're calling Joe Lombardi, like the TikTok recipe people who... Dump full boxes of pasta into just like dry pasta into a baking sheet and like pour milk all over it.
2: Yes, that's him. That's do you know what part. I'm he talking about? I thing. always
3: get videos of this guy who like makes fun of people trying to cook.
2: No, I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't. I, I didn't know it. the 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 cookbook part. I knew the trashy cooking part. I didn't know the the fancy one you were referring to for, at first.
3: There's all sorts of genres for this, you know.
2: Yes. But exactly. I, I'm generally I'm generally pro Kellen Moore. So I think there's gonna be an improvement there.
3: Yeah, you know what? I I'll take a 10 yard hitch over a five yard any day of the week. So and I think I think Justin Herbert probably would too. Um you've been pretty you liked the you were happy with the Quentin Johnson pick, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I, I thought mostly
3: I, was too. I mostly was too. I think I think that fit will be nice.
2: Yeah, I the the Keenan Allen, uh, re-signing restructure. I the, I think it was a restructure. I was not a big fan of. Same with Mike Williams. I think is a good player, but it's t- he's a player that's tough to build your receiving core around. And I think when you're paying them as much as they are yeah. and how committed they are now, like you're kind of locked into that. And uh, it's just I think very just hard for teams to to Overvalue tough. their yeah. own
3: players. Yeah. Right. No, it's, and I think, I think they do it a so, lot. So tempting.
2: One good thing is, Storm Norton is no longer on the roster.
3: (laughs) Storm Norton. I still think right tackle
2: is an issue.
3: Where is Storm Norton? Where in the world is Storm
2: Norton? That is a good question. I don't know if he's been banished from the league.
3: Was Storm Norton ever on the... Oh, the Saints.
2: Good luck, Derek Carr. That's all I'll say.
3: Yeah, there we go. Was Storm Norton ever on the Panthers? Did that happen?
2: No. I don't think so. I only know him as a Charger.
3: Okay. Yeah. I guess I don't... I guess I only do either. Anyway. um, Are we missing anything on LA? I think that's basically... I mean... Herbert's going to get them pretty far. I felt pretty good about putting them second. Yes. I have the Broncos next, and I think that's a, a pretty interesting discussion. But in my heart of hearts, I didn't really, you know, I I don't think that there's a great argument for anybody else coming in at number two other than the Chargers. Okay, let's talk about Denver. But first, we'll take a short break.
2: This episode is brought to you by Crown Royal. This NBA season, Crown Royal is celebrating the loyal fans that show up for every tip-off and also celebrating the people who drink Crown Royal during games. I know I like to have some around whenever I'm taking in a basketball game, an NBA game. Always good to have around. And Crown Royal believes if you live generously, life will treat you royally. Visit crownroyal.com to get ready for tip-off. Please drink responsibly.
3: All right, the Broncos. So, the thing that I have down is that historically, history tells us that if Sean, if Sean Payton has a defense that ranks above 20th in DVOA and doesn't have to start Ian Book, his team will make the playoffs.
2: That's good. I like those are, that's great analytics. Those are analytics I can get on board with.
3: I think there's decent odds that both of those things are true of the Denver Broncos in 2023.
2: Okay, but where does like Jared Stidham factor into this formula? <laughs> is he an A- Ian book? Like, what is the Ian book to Jared Stidham conversion rate?
3: 70%. I think okay. J- Jared Stidham is 70% of an Ian book.
2: So how many snaps does he have to play to throw this formula off is my question. Like if he, if he starts two games, then the Sean Payton. So what was it that,
3: you, um, uh, I'm trying to think of how many games Ian start but I think that like three, three Jared okay. Stidham starts probably. Equals, I, I would agree with that. Yeah.
2: Because I I think the Broncos are a team that could finish with a winning record. I I think it's so easy because of how comically bad the Russ trade went to discount how bad Nathaniel Hackett was as a coach and how good Sean Payton is as a coach. And I think he'll get, even if he doesn't get the best out of Russell Wilson, if that version of Russell Wilson is gone forever. I think he's going to get a good version of Russell Wilson. And I'm basing that off of late career Drew Brees. And when he was hurt and out of the lineup, the offense didn't miss a beat at all. And there's plenty of talent around Russell Wilson on this offensive depth chart that I think Sean Payton is going to be able to cook up like a fringe top 10 defense if he gets average Russell Wilson.
3: I mean, and... and they fell off a little bit towards the end of last season, but there's still a lot of defensive talent. They were 10th in DBOA last year. The division makes it tough. The conference makes it tough, but it sounds like based off that and then what you're saying, it wouldn't be crazy for this team to be sniffing top 10 offense, sniffing top 10 defense. If both of those things are true, they're probably a pretty decent team. And I, I think you're right to point out that like we've all been on an expectations roller coaster with Denver, where it's it's shockingly easy to forget that they are in this position because they went all out to try to win a Super Bowl. Now it didn't necessarily seem like it was gonna get them there at the time, but this is still a good team. And now that they went through the Hackett experience, now that last last year was just such an abject disaster, I think they are getting a little bit underrated. Um, and I do think that even, yeah, you can look at what Sean Payton did with late career Drew Brees and say that that's a reason to think that he's going to be able to get a little bit more out of Russ. And I think that's absolutely true. I also think that you can look at, look at what Russ was doing towards the end of last season, which was not great, but was better than during the Hackett weeks, and it sounds like what we're saying is all they need is is some incremental gains, and I think there's enough there to assume that the ship's going to be able to stay afloat.
2: And i I think that I think it helps Sean Payton that this is being kind of viewed as a reclamation project, like it's not the same as last year where Hackett was coming in with those expectations, and then you. And you had the expectations for Russ like it's the opposite now. So I think it will be easier for Sean Payton to install his offense rather than placating Russ and install and when I say that I, I think he's going to shape his offense too Russ, but it's not going to be Russ calling the shots as much as it seemed like he was last year where there are reports about him having an office and <laughs> doing like like really having control over the offense and it, it turned out really poorly. I think now, you're well, going the office to see is gone. Sean Payton made gone. made
3: him get rid of the off office. He's got to hang out in the locker room just like everybody else.
2: And I I don't think there's like a chance of this being a like a toxic relationship. Just because I think Russ is very good at playing the politician, I don't think you're going to hear like even during yet. Yeah,
3: Sorry, is, what? The, you don't think there's a you don't think there's a ch- you don't think there's a chance this gets toxic.
2: I, I really don't. I think I think Russ, like, say what you want about Russ, but I do think he's an agreeable person. I'll say it like that. Like, I think he will fall in line if he has to. Even in Russ Seattle. Is, like, even Russ
3: has if- like deeply angered two separate franchise defenses.
2: That's true. But he usually has the backing of his offense outside of his receivers. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. Now that I'm th- thinking this Russell out, like Doug Wilson Baldwin kind like of...
3: famously it. rubs most people the wrong way. I, I Sean maybe Payton I'm, doesn't seem like a walk in the park either.
2: I don't know, Paul. This is a bad take from the start.
3: But <laughs> I don't think it will you be public. Know, you don't know clear red flags.
2: I don't know people. I don't know relationships. No, but I think... Publicly, it won't be toxic, is what I'll say. Because I think Russ is very good at it. I think Russ and Pete Carroll and that whole locker room were very good about hiding the fact that it was very toxic behind the scenes until after the fact and like all the reports came out.
3: I, I don't know. When Mike I don't think Purcell screamed at Russell Wilson on the sidelines of a game last year. <laughs> Remember okay, anything yeah. Richard Sherman has said? That might
2: have been the wrongest I've ever been, actually.
3: (laughs) Steven, like, you are one of the best NFL analysts doing this job. You are very rarely off base. You have been right about things ranging from Daniel Jones to Geno Smith. Just some remarkable calls by you about recent seasons of the NFL, particularly when it relates to quarterbacks, I do think that this is your professional low point. Is I don't see anyone getting mad at Russell Wilson.
2: That's, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I'm like Sierra. I'm just trying to hype up Russ. I'm trying to make Russ feel good, okay?
3: I love it. I love it. Everybody one two step.
2: How many, how many people do you think attend his birthday party this year? Wasn't that a thing? Like he threw a party yes. and Sierra was there and nobody came.
3: Which, we talked about this at the time, was on them. Because you can be mad at Russ all you want. If Sierra is throwing a, throwing a birthday party, you go to that birthday party.
2: Right. It's very and easy like the, to avoid Russ.
3: It's mm. very easy to go to like a a... million house in Denver and eat and drink for free and hang out with Sierra. And I can't believe that many members of the Denver Broncos failed to take up that mantle. I will probably never get over it. But anyway.
2: If um, if memory serves me, there were 11 bathrooms in that mansion that that you can hide from us. 11
3: bathrooms. This is how much people... I think he's a tough character. Sometimes, I think that's what we learned.
2: I, I made the joke on Twitter at the time. Meanwhile, Gino Smith was so popular he was getting punched in the face when he did, he didn't come to his teammates' <laughs> parties.
3: <laughs> that was good. That was a wow. I forgot about that story. That was a good. That was some good stuff. What a what a what a okay. what a time we've had.
2: Yes. <laughs> We've covered a, a wide like, range of topics. Get back on track.
3: We're not talking about the bathroom anymore.
2: Now, here is my one concern: we have okay. replaced Ejero Evero with Vance Joseph, True. and Vance Joseph. I feel like, like I feel like there was a time when he was a good defensive coordinator, but I feel like that time has passed. And my evidence is Week One of last year when he decided that he was going to cover Travis Kelsey with Isaiah Simmons one on one all game long, and that did not, did not go, go as great. planned. And, like, he continued to have this chaotic game plan for the Cardinals, who were a team that were not set up to have that. And I'm worried that we just saw this defense. They they played, like, a sound version of, of defense. They, they played coverage. They played zone. They didn't really blitz a lot. There wasn't a ton of man. And they're going to the complete opposite extreme of that. And I don't know if the personnel necessarily fits that, and I think the transition period is going to be a little rough. So that's my one concern. I think the offense is going to be fine. You look at this depth chart, it, it like top to bottom, if Russ is just anything, like it's yeah. going to be a great offense. The defense, I see a little bit of disaster potential if they have some key injuries. Like if Patrick Sertan goes down, I think the whole the whole house of cards comes down.
3: Yeah, and and, and that's the thing to that's the thing to worry about, right? Because you are still going up against Kansas city twice chargers twice. We'll talk about the Raiders in a second. I have a lot of concerns, but there's still a a fair bit of firepower there. That's not a fun life to live, live if all of a sudden defensively things are really slipping, but still I, I agree. You know, I know I'm making a lot of jokes about there being potential for toxicity. Um, I think that's true, but it's not necessarily going to happen. And I, I, I do think that Peyton's track record is pretty unimpeachable with quarterbacks who aren't Ian book. Um, I don't mean for Ian book to be catching as many strays as he's catching, but that's fine. Uh, it's just sort of a question of like how, how far it really gets them. Um, and if they're building the right way, when you know this is Peyton's team now, it's it's not Russ's. Even with the financial commitment, it seems very very clear uh, from Peyton, also from what they did with the Stidham signing, that if if he just feels like it's not working then they might turn it over or just that philosophically they don't feel like, Oh, here we've got rest. We got to go all in with this. I think they're looking a little bit more long-term than that and, and linking their futures to let's let Sean Payton do his thing here. That though is like, that's where I think the friction would come is if Russ doesn't feel like he's got the full commitment, then maybe you don't know what happens, but they should be pretty good. It's just, it's a tough division. It's a tough conference, but I, I think they'd, they, would they, seem like they should be a borderline playoff team.
2: Yeah, same.
3: The Raiders.
2: Let's talk about them.
3: Well, let's take another quick break and then we'll come back and do that.
2: This episode is brought to you by State Farm from your morning podcast to your fantasy team. We know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer, availability, and eligibility may vary. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com prologue to learn more.
3: Okay. First question with Vegas. Is, is, does Jimmy Garoppolo have two working feet?
2: Right. Like, <laughs> I feel like that's the big key here because if he goes down he doesn't play, Brian Hoyer is the backup. And I feel like at this point in Brian Hoyer's career, he's just like a walking clipboard. Like, there's no way you can play Brian Hoyer in 2023. I remember when he had to play, like, I, it, was, it was like a Tuesday night game when, like, the Chiefs and the Patriots ended up playing. In 2020. And, like, and it
3: was really tough.
2: And then Hoyer came, it was, it was just ugly. So, I think that is a valid concern because if you don't have Jimmy, this is an XFL team. (laughs) Like, I don't I don't know how they win. Like they have some good pieces, but like that's the thing about this team. They have good pieces. It just doesn't make sense when you put them together. Like Devontae Adams is good, obviously. You have Max Crosby, who is an elite pass rusher. I think he he passed that threshold last year. Chandler Jones, maybe not the guy they thought they were signing, but still productive. There, I, I like Trayvon Morgue a lot. There, there are some good pieces here, but like you put it all together, and I think this is still a team that struggles to win even six games. And I, I think there is some room for positive regre- regression because they did blow a lot of leads last year, and you have to yeah. be a decent enough team to get out to those leads. I just don't see what they did during the offseason that's going to make it easier for them to close out games. Like I don't think replacing Derek Carr with Jimmy G is solving that problem.
3: Well, and they got, I mean, they got better towards the end of the season, but again, right. Like it's, it's, you don't want to bank too much on that based on the quarterback swap. And then again, we just, the whole thing about Jimmy's status is really, really weird. Um, A little while ago, McDaniels is, is doing a press conference and he just says, I have no anxiety. You guys might have anxiety. I don't have any anxiety. Red flag. You should have some anxiety. You are in a division with the Kansas City Chiefs at the top. Your quarterback is Jimmy Garoppolo, which some might see as problematic to begin with. On top of that, your backup is Brian Hoyer. And the contract got signed. You delayed a news conference because there was an issue with the physical. Then it comes out that there's a waiver in place where, I mean, great news. If he's really hurt, you, you probably don't have to pay him all that much money. Also, that means Brian Hoyer's starting. I do think Josh McDaniels is, is one of the NFL coaches who would who would convince himself that it's okay to start Brian Hoyer for a bunch of games. But then all of, all of a sudden, this team that pushed a lot of chips to the middle of the table two off seasons ago has Brian Hoyer at quarterback and is, is in a really bad position. And at that point, I do think people start asking if the coach is in jeopardy. That's always a tough thing to, to figure out with that team specifically just because of Mark Davis, but people would certainly ask the question. Um, so it's it's weird to feel this concerned about a team with this many good players on it, but I think that's justified.
2: Yeah, it's like the opposite of the the lady doth protest too much. Like the coach is a little too chill here with the situation, the quarterback situation. I I think he's more worried than he's letting on, but Well, first like, of all,
3: no one should ever say they have no anxiety. That's a that's a bad personality trait. You should have some anxiety. There are many things to be anxious about. If someone goes through their entire day and nothing makes them a little worried, I don't trust that person.
2: So, Josh? I, I will say this. If you're still wearing a visor in 2023, maybe you are, like, cooler than the rest of us and you don't have anxiety. <laughs> I, I think it's time for a rebrand, Josh. Get a hat. Grow up. Get a hat.
3: Get a real hat.
2: <laughs> I think you guys will be better. I'm looking at the RLADS uh, depth chart. And like Brian Hoyer's name is in all caps, which is just so funny to me. Just like Brian Hoyer. But like their offensive line outside of Colton Miller is not good. And if there's one thing Jimmy G doesn't do well, it's react to pressure and manage pressure. And I think even if Jimmy G is completely healthy, clean bill of health for all 17 games, I think we're seeing we're going to get the worst version of Jimmy G. Especially, like, I know he he kind of cut his teeth as an NFL quarterback in this offense, and it, it's the scheme that he learned first, and he, he looked fine when he had to play in New England. It was only, like, a game and a half, I think. But in theory, this is not the type of offense, not the type of passing game, at least, that you want to put Jimmy G in. I think they're going to have to have leads. They're going to have to be able to run the ball. They're going to have to be able to call play action to get the best out of Jimmy G. And in this division with this roster, with all these question marks, it's going to be hard to play that brand of football, which is what we saw last year with this team. Like, the the Oakland offense last year looked nothing like the Patriots offense the year before. Right. Even though they were kind of set up to do similar things. So, it's, it's hard. Like, even if you get, even if Josh McDaniels is on his game this year and he's calling plays like he was in his prime in New England, I, I think it's just going to be tough with this personnel.
3: All right. Should we put it all together? Let's do it. I have the Chiefs at number one overall. Uh, our our yes. list as of last week, it was Bengals, Ravens, Jaguars, Lions, Falcons, Browns, Vikings, Colts, Packers, Steelers, Saints, Panthers, Titans, Bears, Bucks, Texans. But I think we have a new, new leader in the power rankings.
2: I am fine with that. I am fine with the Chiefs going number one.
3: Can you imagine if just like 50 minutes into this podcast, you were like, nope, Bengals are better.
2: The Bengals, the Bengals and the Ravens are better. No, I think the Chiefs are clear number one. I think it gets tricky when we're placing the Chargers. I think I'm looking at like that Jaguars-Falcons spot. It's really the Jaguars. I don't know where to fit them in. I know the Jaguars just beat them in the playoffs. Ah, <sighs> I'm more comfortable with the Jags being a better team. I, I would put the Jags over them, but I would slot them in over our our beloved Falcons.
3: What about the Lions?
2: I would put. the We Lions have over
3: right them. now. We have Jags, Lions, Falcons in that order. Where I had put the Chargers in was after Detroit.
2: I think I'm fine with that. I think Detroit definitely has a higher floor. I would I would say that. I, I think I think the Chargers do have a higher ceiling but I think Detroit I agree has a with higher that. floor.
3: I agree with that. Yeah. Um they can't get their shit together. So I think for now that's why I put them right. put them below the Lions but they definitely I mean just Justin Herbert's the man. Like they have a they have a higher ceiling. I just
2: Also also the charter ceiling is like not a real thing. It's just something we talk about. It's an ideal. <laughs> the Chargers ceiling will never be reached. It's a myth. <laughs> yeah.
3: All right, so that that puts them seventh behind Detroit. Um, where does Denver go?
2: I want to put them around Cleveland. Like I think them and Cleveland kind of are similar teams to me. Where there are certainly pieces. There's questions about the quarterback, but we've seen the quarterback play well recently. There's an offensive. I don't want to give Stefanski the genius label, but there's a. a Offensive play caller with a, a good reputation, I think there's a chance the defense, both defenses can be at least league average, which is enough. So I'm comfortable putting Denver over Cleveland. I think that's where they should slot in.
3: Denver over Cleveland.
2: Yeah, right before Cleveland. Just because I have more faith in Sean Payton and I have more faith in Russ bouncing back than I think I have in Deshaun bouncing back.
3: I think that's right. I think that's right. All right. So that that puts them at nine. And then we just have to put in the Raiders.
2: Oh, that's, I, I think like, I think below Carolina makes sense. Wait, what are you thinking?
3: I'm happy to put them. So I had put them below. I'd put them just below the saints who are just above the Panthers, but I would be, I think that there's enough. There are enough questions where I would have no problem swapping those two and putting them below.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think I'm actually. I think I'm with you. I think right above the Panthers does make sense. I think like on you're just you're banking on too many unknowns with the Panthers. Like they have a rookie quarterback that we've never seen play, who is also a historical outlier, and we don't know what that's going to look like. So I I feel comfortable. I, I feel more comfortable predicting that Jimmy G will be decent than I do that Bryce Love will be like a league average quarterback year one.
3: I I. I think that you're right to you're very right to point out the offensive line not being very good and how that could significantly affect Jimmy G's production. I default to he'll be okay if he's playing. I'm just not sure how much he's going to be playing.
2: Yeah, that's a good Um, point. I mean they have a they have a good receiving court like Jacoby Myers throwing him into like Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams, that's a very good receiving core.
3: That's spicy. There's there's something there as long as he's on the field. I just again like that that feels so up near at this point. Um, especially when you consider his injury history. But I think that works. I think I, I think it's safe to assume even if the Saints are working with a little bit less around the quarterback, I think I would rather have Carr than Jimmy at this point. Um we keep them above Las Vegas, and then it goes Panthers, Titans, Bears, blah blah blah.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. And then, like one more thing, I think about the Carolina Las Vegas thing. I think the concerns we have about the quarterback staying healthy in Las Vegas, we should have about Carolina's quarterback, just because like smaller quarterbacks tend to get hurt more. We Ty- Tyler Murray like still hasn't finished the season
3: strong <laughs> yet. Small. All right another division in the books. Uh, we will be back next week with the NFC West closing out the West and then we'll move on to the East and then we will conclude this series. This has been the ringer NFL show. I'm Nora Princiati. He is Steven Ruiz. Steven, what do you have coming up with Benjamin Solak?
2: It's actually related to this pod. Can oh, wow. Sean Payton say, can Sean Payton save Russell Wilson?
3: Oh, very exciting. Wow. What Synergy on the feed? That's awesome. Um, that'll be out on Friday. Is that correct? Yes. All right. Well, people should go check that out. I'm sure that'll be awesome. Thank you again, Stephen. And thank you, as always, to Stefan Anderson for production on this episode and to Connor Evans and Arjuna Ramapal for additional production supervision.
0: Once COVID happened, I was just like, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client.